welcome to the Quarantine Players Podcast. We are a group of writers, directors, and actors who had our productions canceled due to the pandemic. Each week, we'll read a new play and discuss it with a playwright, just like Shakespeare. We aspire to create new work during a global pandemic. Hello and welcome to the Quarantine Players. My name is AJ Campbell and today we'll be reading Shudder by Leslie Ann Ross. This is a full-length play with a running time of about two hours. This podcast will be in two episodes. Episode one is the first half, episode two is the second half, and the commentary following the reading. The following is a list of characters. Rachel Tilson, Rebecca's mother, married to Gerald, age 56, played by Tammy Peters. Grandpa Tilson, married to Christine, father of Gerald, grandfather Rebecca, age 82, cross-cast, read by Barry Alguay. Grandma Tilson, Christine, married to Alfred, mother of Gerald, grandma of Rebecca, age 78, played by Kathy Morton Young. Rebecca Nicholas, married to Spiros, daughter of Gerald and Rachel, granddaughter of Alfred and Christine, age 32, played by Alexis Poe. Young reader, young Rebecca, eight years old, and teen Rebecca, age 15, played by Katie Morris. Gerald Tilson, son of Christine and Alfred, married to Rachel, father of Rebecca, age 59, played by D. Scott Graham. Clarence Hill, grandson of Christine and Alfred, nephew of Gerald, Rebecca's first cousin, age 34, played by Ian A. Wade. He's also called Clay in the play. Spiros Nicholas, Rebecca's husband, age 39, Played by Issa Saren. I hope you enjoy our production. Archway upstage, center, leading to the bedrooms, bathroom, grandpa's sitting room. The front door is stage left next to a window, and the kitchen door is stage left off the dining room. The room is small but divided into two sections, the living room to stage left and the dining room stage right. Living room furnishings are shabby, worn and soft, fabric patterns almost indistinguishable. The seating includes an old sofa with a coffee table in front and two side chairs with a small table between. Hung around the room are inexpensive pictures mounted on pieces of wood and then shellacked over the surface, the craft of decoupage. A wooden footstool sits in front of one of the chairs with a picture of a rebel flag on the top. Intermixed with these wall hangings are hung old photographs of the family, mostly of Gerald Tilson through his youth and adulthood, college sports, army service, wedding, etc. The walls are literally covered with memoirs and cheap images. The dining room table has a worn linen tablecloth that's yellow from age and use. Dishes are stacked on the table, ready to be set for dinner. Upstage right of the archway against the back wall sits a dilapidated antique sideboard. The dining room is adorned with decoupage craft of the inhabitants and cheap dime store version of the well-known painting by Corrit of a man praying over his simple meal of bread. The kitchen set consists of four mica kitchen table with two vinyl chairs, an old refrigerator, sink, cabinets, and stove. It's a hot summer evening on July 15th, 1992, Mount Gilead, North Carolina. Act one, scene one. Lights up on the main set. Through the archway upstage center stands a French glass door with a sheer cafe curtain. The door is partially open. Through it can be seen Grandpa Tilson sitting in a black vinyl armchair. This room is Grandpa Tilson's sitting room and he's watching television. Flashes of constantly changing light reflect off Grandpa's right profile and the sound of a baseball game can be heard. 
We also see Grandma Tilson sitting in, at the kitchen table cutting fresh vegetables for a salad. Grandpa sits motionless for a few moments, then rises from his chair and moves downstage into the archway and stops, staring at the dining room table. He stands there quietly, then crosses stage left and slowly peeks into the kitchen through the swinging door. Again, he stands there for a moment, not entering or letting go of the door. Don't be a fool, Mr. Tilson. Come in if you are coming in. Don't stand there like a stone. There are times I wonder if you have the sense to come in out of the rain. You remind me of a turkey. Is supper ready yet? Is it on the table? No. Well, when it gets itself on the table, I guess it will be ready. That shirt is filthy, and I do believe it's the third day you've worn it. Why don't you change? Put on a nice, fresh one. Please don't close the door in my face when I am talking to you. Why don't you get a clean flannel from your dresser drawer? I do believe I filled it yesterday. Oh, and your socks. I am amazed at how you can stink up a pair of socks. It's not like you ran a marathon or anything. But every time I go to wash those things, well, I can hardly touch them. They are downright repugnant. Oh, what does Stephanie always say? The Tilson curse, smelly feet. I do more for you than you will ever know, Mr. Tilson. Mr. Tilson, there just aren't the hours in the day with almighty God as my witness. Cook your meals clean, wash your back for you, drive you all over the county and still make sure you get to services on Sunday. I do for you and do for you. And what appreciation do I get? What solace? Tell me, what comfort do these old tired hands ever get? Well, I shouldn't complain. You do keep me living in the lap of luxury. Are you gonna change right here in front of God and everybody? Then here, let me help you. Oh, my hands are hurting me so. Arthritis is acting up again. Don't remember that the weatherman called for rain. I wonder why they hurt so. I feel so edgy too. Please watch the weather forecast. No call for rain today by the paper. I just finished watching the basketball game. The supper ain't ready yet. Eh, go on then. This linen is practically worn through. I ought to tell Stephanie I am in need of a new dress tablecloth. Oh, she would pick out a real nice one. Expensive, too. I should call the doctor about these hands. No relief. I said no relief. Feel so edgy today. Can't say why. What was it Gerald used to say? Feel like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. It's just the way I feel when a storm is coming through. Well, Mr. Tilson, supper is on the table. Please come and eat. Grandpa Tilson moves more quickly, noticeably faster than he had before, turns off the television and crosses the stage and sits down at the head of the table, stage left. Grandma Tilson sits right next to him on his right, facing the audience. Grandma Tilson serves the plates. She takes the spoon out of the peas and motions with it to Grandpa. He nods, and then she empties the spoon onto his plate. She serves him everything in the same manner. Grandpa picks up the chicken to take a bite. Mr. Tilson, you are forgetting yourself. The blessing. They bow their heads in prayer.
Thank you for this and all of life's blessings. Bless this food with the strengthening of our bodies and bless us to usefulness in your kingdom. Amen. Oh, that was lovely, Alfred. They eat in silence, Grandma rather daintily and Grandpa hurriedly. Grandpa Tilson smacks loudly as he eats, and it is a cause of great consternation to Grandma Tilson. Fifty years of that smacking is more than a reasonable person can... I suppose I should take it as a compliment. Well, at least there's one thing in your life you get excited about. They eat in a smack-filled silence. Grandpa Tilson reaches for a second serving of peas, and as he serves his plate, he successfully serves a spoonful and then spills the second spoonful in his lap. There now, don't move. I'll get that. Stay there. She exits to the kitchen. Grandpa sits with the peas in his lap, the spoon still in his hand. After a very short pause, Grandma enters. Now, move back a bit from the table, Alfred, so I can clean you up. Oh, it's not so bad. Mostly just the vegetables, very little sauce. I'll wash the pants after supper. I've been wearing them these last two days anyway. It's no problem, Mr. Tilson. I've got a full load waiting to go in. If you want more, ask me. You know, you don't see so good anymore, Mr. Tilson. Oh, bless your heart. Now don't touch anything till I get back. She exits. Grandpa looks at the kitchen for a moment and then strikes all of the dishes on the table with his spoon, making a chorus of tones. Oh. Short pause, and then Grandma oh. enters. Oh. Oh. What? Oh. You say something? Nope. Grandma picks up the plate of chicken, showing it to Grandpa. A breast. You already had a breast last night. We only have thighs and legs left. I had a thigh. Oh, that wasn't no breast. That was dark meat. I think I know my chicken parts, and that was a breast. I think I cut up the chicken and fried up the chicken. Why, I think I even bought the chicken at the Piggly Wiggly. It was a breast. Now, do you want this thigh or leg? What's that? Why, that's a breast. I had a thigh. I want a breast. Oh, Lord, Lord. Here, Mr. Tilson, please have the breast. Places the breast of chicken on Grandpa's plate. They eat in a smack-filled silence. Finally, Grandma cannot take it. Well, what do you hear on the news, Mr. Tilson? That Catholic Pope, John Paul, is that his name right? Yes. He's been hospitalized for three weeks. Have a tumor removed. Well, good for him. You know I do not care to talk about the Catholics, Mr. Tilson. Summer Olympics start in 10 days. Well, I like the Olympics. Be the first time that dream team plays in basketball, Michael Jordan and such. And that Magic Johnson who just confessed he has the AIDS. You know I don't care to talk about such things, especially at the dinner table. God, air here just reeks of honeysuckle and poop. Thrown the front door open, Rebecca enters with a large canvas duffel bag thrown over her shoulder, barefoot, with one shoe in each hand. Surprise! Grandma and Grandpa Tilson sit in complete stillness for a few moments. What's the matter? Oh, shit. Cardiac arrest. Stereo. Did I just send you both to the great beyond? Rebecca Marie Tilson, <sighs> what on earth are you doing here? Well, hello to you too, girl. You scared us about to death. Let me catch my breath. Good to see you. Oh, Lord. Good to see you. 
No warning, howling at the top of your lungs like that. It's a wonder we didn't die of fright. Look at your grandpa. He's right as a sheet. Sorry, Grandpa. Well, what are you doing here, miss? It's so good to see you, Rebecca. God almighty, look at your wrinkle. You look so much like your mother pretty as can be. You're close to 100. How old are you? 85, 86 in August. Well, am I going to get an answer, Miss Rebecca Tilson? Mrs. Rebecca Nicolonos, remember? Oh, Grandpa, I wish you could have been at the wedding. The preacher was an Elvis impersonator, and as we walked out of the chapel, he sang Jailhouse Rock. Only place on the planet to get married is Vegas. I suppose if Stephanie walked in here at dinner time, be serving her a plate of your infamous fried chicken about now instead of giving her the third degree, or is it country-style steak? <laughs> and I wouldn't have it any other way, Grandma. Does your daddy know you are here? No, my daddy does not know I am here. And let's keep it that way, shall we? Oh, so stern. I am waiting. Okay, okay, don't get so tense, please. I just thought I would get out of the city for a while. I decided to travel around and see some of the relatives before they... Well, it has been years since I've seen you. Just took off from New York and headed south. Well, then... Welcome back. Glad to see you after all these years. Arms open, Grandma gives Rebecca a fast and nervous hug. Go ahead, sit down to eat. Oh, you got me so... I, I'll just get another plate. Still, it sounds pretty peculiar to me. Grandma exits to the kitchen. Oh, you look good for 85, 86 in August. Sorry I won't be here for your birthday. Maybe we can go to the mall and get you something. Hey, something for your garden out back. Oh, Rebecca, I gotten too old for that. Uh, did your daddy tell you about my hip replacement yeah. last year? So these legs can get up and down like I used to. That old garden's gone completely wild back there. I'm sorry to hear that. What a shame. Love that garden. Oh, you remember that garden? I'm glad. I remember spending many an hour down there with you on our hands and knees, side by side. Yes, I sure do. Uh, remember one visit, you helped me with the planting, and then another year with the harvest. We worked till well after dark, digging up the lettuce and carrots. Uh, but your favorite was- A strawberry patch. Oh, you call me your strawberry princess. That was the nicest part about visiting here. I loved your garden, Grandpa. I sure do miss it. Yes, I sure do. Maybe I could help you take back a little corner of it. Plant something easy like zucchini or squash. Something that wouldn't tax you too much. Well, can you stay long enough for that? Uh, you, you know, I have everything we need. <laughs> Root cellar. Forgot about that. Does it still have a dirt floor? I think I'll go down there for dinner and just smell it. I'd have to get seeds. I don't believe I have any seeds, any new seeds. Everything I have is old and dried. Let's come over tomorrow morning. We can see about getting started. Come over tomorrow? Aren't you planning on staying here with us? No, thank you. I was thinking about staying at the motel in town. I don't want to put you all out of and Grandma can't be too thrilled with me showing up like this, unannounced. 
less stress I cause, the better. Children should be seen and not heard. Isn't that right? Rebecca, we never get to see you. And here we have an empty bedroom for guests that never has guests set up in it. I'm asking you to stay here with your grandmother and I while you're in town. I'll be heard if you don't. It's very sweet, but it's a, it's a good idea. Grandma is sensitive to me. I, I insist. I'm not getting any younger, so consider this the request of a dying man. You aren't dying. How do you know? You <laughs> manipulative, wrinkled old prune. All right. I'll stay here if it will make you happy. Uh, the guest room's at the end of the hall, off the bathroom. It stays the coolest all day. I don't know. Isn't that the shrine? Now, now, Rebecca. I don't know if I could sleep in there. Daddy's old bedroom. Give me the creeps to see the ghost of Gerald Tilson's boyhood jacking off in the dark. Are you sure Grandma's going to be okay with all this? Grandma enters with a play setting for Rebecca. I was wondering if you are staying here with us. You would be more comfortable at the motel in town, I'm sure. <laughs> Gerald always stays at the motel. She's staying with us. I asked her to, and she's happy to stay here. Oh, good. How nice. I guess you better stay in your father's old room, seeing as it's closest to the bathroom. And it does stay the coolest. Thank you. I'll just take my things in there. Well, don't unpack now. Your supper will get cold. Oh, ma'am, I won't. Be right back. Just wanted to see her relatives before they die. That's what she meant. Comes without warning, just like the Grim Reaper. I said, just like the Grim Reaper. Oh, she don't look like Rachel's twin. Makes my skin crawl. And did you get a whiff of her, Alfred? She smells of liquor, like she stepped straight out of a brewery. Come to think of it, that's exactly how Rachel smells. Becker enters and sits down at the end of the table across from Grandpa Tilson. My, what a lovely Southern dinner. Grandma Tilson begins to serve Rebecca's plate. Thank you very much, but I am capable of lifting a spoon myself. Portion control. You just go on with your dinner and forget I'm even here takes the spoon out of Grandma Tilson's hand and serves herself. There's a long silence. Rebecca tries the food, but finds it unsatisfying. She takes a piece of bread and begins buttering it. Still working with the decoupage? Not for some time now. My arthritis acts up so bad sometimes I can't keep hold of a thing. And your grandpa don't see so good anymore. We sold everything we wanted to or could. Sure miss the extra money. Another silence develops. I said, sure do miss that extra money. You should try and visit with your great aunt Iris and Uncle Herbert while you are here. Yeah, sure. I'm here that long. I was uh, hoping to look up my cousins. I assume you can help me get in touch with them? Your cousin Stephanie doesn't live in Charlotte anymore. She has two lovely children and they live on the beach at Sunset. You should remember Sunset Beach. That year y'all and your Aunt Claire's family vacationed at Sunset together? Yes, I remember Sunset. 
Stephanie was promoted to office manager of Sunset Realty, doing very well for herself. Oh, bless her heart. Her house is oceanfront. Her son's name is Clifford after her husband, and her daughter is Claire after her mother. We saw her last month. Your grandfather and I drove down for a weekend. Oh, I, I guess I'll it was. Stephanie report. What about cousin Tracy and Clay? Are they still alive? Clay is working for his father. He is married to a divorcee. He has two daughters. One is a stepdaughter. The other, Jessica, is really his. Clay the plumber, married to a divorcee. Your cousin Tracy is single and living with, well, we don't talk about it in mixed company. Is she living with some men in sin? Oh, good for her. This kind of talk upsets your grandpa. <laughs> and her Aunt Claire and Uncle John still separated? Didn't they, um, D-I-V-O-R-C-E? How is Claire doing? The divorce is final now. Claire has a very nice apartment in Charlotte. Tell me about Clay. I always liked him. Silence falls between them. I don't know much. I haven't, or we haven't seen him since his parents' divorce. Wait a minute. Your daughter divorces her husband of 30 years, and you refuse to see their son? Your only grandson. Why? I don't get it. Oh, what, what did you just say now? Clay is working with his dad? How dare he? What a traitor. He growed into a real fine young man. Now, what about your new husband, Rebecca? Won't he miss you traveling around so? How long do you intend to stay? How is your family doing? My husband is fine. He's used to having someplace to go, so don't worry. My parents are doing about the same. How is your father? You talk to him twice a week. I should be asking you. And your mother? You are asking? Well, Gerald tells me she is still smoking and drinking every day. Won't listen to reason. Great. Like you need any more ammunition. It is very hard on him to stand by and watch her abusing alcohol like no tomorrow. Well, I am sure that is the whole point. Why don't we change the subject? I don't think you want to skate out on that paper-thin ice with me, Grandma. I beg your pardon? Is that a threat of some kind? No, not at all. I just think we should practice the family art of ignoring our problems and shove this one under the rug, too. I really don't understand what you're talking about. Another silence. Well, what about your husband? Tell us about him. Spiros. Spiros is uh, from Greece. He works construction. Do you have a picture of him? We haven't seen a one. Your mother won't let your father send us one. Can we try to leave my mother out of this? I think I have a picture in my bag. Just a minute. Rises, exiting upstage. What kind of name is Nicolonis? Italian? Spanish? Alfred, I'm proud of you. I've never heard you eat so quiet. Not a smack out of you. Rebecca re-enters, carrying a three-by-five photograph. He's Greek, first-generation immigrant, just off the boat. Only been in the States two years. 
He's right nice looking, but kind of sinister. Dust off the boat? You sure he is not one of those Cuban boat people that were all over the news a few years back? Weren't they all drug dealers? A grown man with long hair? What does he do? Play in a rock and roll band? No, he's in construction. Well, I would think that hair would get in the way doing carpentry, building things. Just think of him as Samson, Grandma. Like in the Bible? I seem to remember that John the Baptist had some kind of wild hair. Shit, even the Christ himself. Why, if I search back into my ancient Sunday school lessons, wasn't Jesus a carpenter? Yeah, every crucifix I've ever seen had a long-haired hippie freak Jesus slapped up on it. How can you talk like that in this God-fearing home? It's a free country. Even we are in the Bible Belt. Would you mind getting me the phone numbers for Tracy and Clay? I would like to call them. Maybe get together tonight. I'll have to get my address book. Excuse me. Grandma exits through the archway upstage right. Nobody talks like that around Christine. Maybe they should. Maybe she wouldn't be such a dominatrix if everyone didn't walk on eggshells with her. Such a what? <laughs> Nothing, Grandpa. Grandma re-enters and crosses from upstage through the arch toward the kitchen. I have Tracy's telephone number and Stephanie's. Clay's could be on the whiteboard in the kitchen. Grandma exits to the kitchen. 237-6915. What? Visible to the audience, Grandma wipes Clay's phone number off the whiteboard. Clay's number, 237-6915. You sneaky old fart, you. Now, Rebecca, there's nothing wrong with me keeping up with my only grandson. And what Grandma doesn't know gives you a great deal of pleasure, right? Well. Hands Rebecca back he, the photograph. He's a good-looking man, Rebecca. Oh, I know. He's too good-looking. Gets away with murder with those looks. It's like champagne. Makes me a very bad girl. Grandma enters from the kitchen. Seems it has disappeared. No bother. I can get it. Do you think that is such a good idea? I'll help you clean up and do the dishes, Grandma. Oh, no, no. That's not necessary. I will do it. Then I'll just go to my room and freshen up, if you don't mind. Oh, Rebecca, you just got here. You should stay so we can talk. I'll keep in a little while. Excuse me. Rebecca rises and begins to exit. Maybe we can go for a walk later, Grandpa. I always love the smell of honeysuckle here. Would you like to go for a walk with me, old man? I like that just fine. Rebecca exits. Mark my words, Alfred. She is trouble with a capital T, just like her mother. It's hard for me to even look at her. They take after each other so. Something is wrong here, dead wrong. I don't know what she is up to, but she's not gonna get away with it in my house. I'll get her father down here. If anyone can make her act right, her father can. He is the only person she's afraid of. I can remember many a time when she was acting up like this, Gerald would look at her and she would crumple. Uh, she was a little girl then. She ain't a little girl anymore. I'm gonna call Gerald and have him drive down here tomorrow. This is an emergency. 
he can talk some sense into her head and take her home with him. All these young people today, they have no pride, no morals, refuse to take responsibility for their actions. She is like some kind of devil or something. Did you hear her going on about Jesus being a hippie freak? Why, that is blasphemy. We should add her to our prayer list, Alfred. Maybe God could work a miracle in her life. Grandma exits to the kitchen. Rebecca comes into the living room. She's changed her shirt and combed her hair. She crosses to the sofa in search of her shoes. Grandpa Tilson stares at her for a moment admiringly. Um, too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. You got her very upset, child. Huh? Sorry. There's a payphone next door to the gas station up the road. If you've a mind to make a call. With shoes in hand, she kisses his bald head. Tomorrow we can start to take back your garden, Grandpa. 237-6915. Go on now before she comes back. Rebecca exits through the front door, and Grandma enters from the kitchen. As soon as I get this table clear, I will call her father. She has been trouble since the day she was born. Quit college, you will remember. And after Gerald suffered so long to pay her way, he even had to stop sending us our monthly allowance to pay her tuition for those two years. You remember? And what does she do? Runs off to Europe without a world and Gerald fretted after her for months? Oh, bless his heart. She could have been dead as far as he knew. Then she finally calls and says she up and joined that liberal Peace Corps. Rachel's pride and joy. I just go watch the evening news. Go on then. Grandpa rises and crosses upstage to his sitting room. He turns on the television and sits down to watch the evening news. Grandma continues clearing the table and muttering to herself. My arthritis is like to kill me. I had better call the doctor. I don't really know what he can do for me. There is no hope when it gets this bad. I say there is no hope. And she married a Greek man. He is probably a Buddhist or something. I better call the pastor and ask him just what religion they follow in Greece. Back in Jesus's time, they killed Christians. Or was that the Romans? The only sound we hear as the stage fades to black is the sound of the weather report coming from Grandpa's sitting room. Lights out, end scene. Scene two. Lights up on Rachel, seated at the small bistro table in the kitchen, on the phone, smoking a cigarette and nursing a scotch. Well, I did it. Yes, yes, I went to the hypnotist. And you were right. The urge to smoke lifted for a few days, but now I'm right back to a pack a day. Gerald told me it was a waste of time and money, his two favorite commodities, time and money. But I wanted to try. He nags me so much about the smoking. You'd think he would support my efforts to quit, but no. Now, now I bet you're thinking it didn't work because I went for the wrong reasons, that I went for him and not for me. But I do want to stop smoking, believe me. But something in me won't, can't, I don't know. Addicted, I guess. I just hate being told what to do all the time. Right, right. Oh, me too. I'm so relieved Rebecca never started smoking. 
as wild as she was, is, was. She never became addicted to anything. Thank God. What a relief she has settled down, married, finally putting down roots. I hope they take hold. I love my daughter more than, well, more than I love myself. No, really. I haven't always liked choices she makes, but I've always supported her, and I understand what drives her. Yes, I hear myself, but it is the truth. I do love her more than I love myself. Doesn't every mother? <laughs> then let's be honest. What else, other than raising that glorious child, have I ever done with my life? No, I mean it. I dreamed of playing the piano in concert halls. My face flushed from the rush of applause erupting at the final note, and I carefully bend down to pick up the roses thrown at my feet. But I settled for playing for Rebecca while she sang along off pitch, but so earnest. Oh, she loved the way I played somewhere over the rainbow. Sometimes I think we must lower our expectations to make our dreams come closer to our reality, or we go mad. Rachel gets a second call on the other line. Hold on, I have another call. H Hello. Hello, Christine. I have to, uh, just a second. Hey, Holly, Christ, it's the old bat on the other line. Gerald's mother. God, I wonder if Grandpa finally died. She knows better than to call my house unless there's been a death in the family. I'll call you back. I'm fine, really. I gotta run. Christine, I was on the phone when you called. Well, it may be a nuisance to you, but you didn't get a busy signal now, did you? You want to talk to Gerald. Gerald, your mother is on the phone. She called the house. You know how I feel about that. From offstage. I have no idea. G give me the phone, Rachel. Is she calling long distance? And God forbid we make her wait one more second. I said, give me the phone. Rachel hands the phone to Gerald. Hello, mother. Lights black out, end of scene. Scene three, lights up, it's 9.30 p.m. and the great room is dark except for a warm light cast from a small table lamp between the sofa and the chair. Porch light has been left on and it casts a light in through the window. We hear a toilet flush and a door open which momentarily casts a light stage left through the archway. <laughs> the light goes out and we see grandpa cross stage right through the archway to his bedroom. Off stage through the front door, we hear and then see Rebecca and Clay. So where was I? And so Jessica's two years old now? Oh, right. Just turned two, and that got a girl as smart as a button. A real intellectual. She can put together sentences and understands concepts like numbers and colors. I don't know where she gets it, but it certainly wasn't from me. Rebecca and Clay entered through the front door. Well, that goes without saying. We better be real quiet. Grandma? Grandpa? Guess it's all quiet on the southern front. It still smells like house of toasts in here. Musty. <laughs> well, I should probably head on out. Ten minutes. You can keep me company for ten minutes, can't you? Now, you know, it ain't because of you, Rebecca. God, it's great seeing you. Getting caught up. Gosh, seven years, right? Seven years. Seven years. And both of us married, grown up. Shit. But it's the old folks. They, they haven't responded very well to me since my parents divorced. Correction. Your grandma hasn't responded very it's well. It's the same. Your grandpa loves you to death. 
I, one I just don't feel people. welcome around here anymore. Well, it shouldn't be. Look, I don't blame her, really. She can't help it. With the chocolates. What chocolates? You can't tell me you don't remember when you and I found that box of chocolates in the sideboard. Lights change as a younger girl of eight enters from Grandpa's sitting room upstage center. Quickly after her chasing is a young boy of 10. These are young Clay and young Rebecca. Clarence! Clarence! C -c -c Clarence! Stop it! I'll throttle you! No, Clarence! She runs into the kitchen with him in close pursuit. They run around the kitchen table and then back into the living room. I will cut your ponytail off! Sure you will, Clarence. There's got to be scissors in here. Clay stops looking for a pair of scissors in the sideboard upstage facing the audience and finds instead a box of Whitman chocolates. Hey, look at what I found. Clay crosses to the dining room table and eats a chocolate. I don't know. They probably belong to the witch. She will kill us. Don't be such a scaredy cat. Don't call me that, Clarence. Okay, give me one. Call me that again, I will knock your teeth out. My name is Clay. Can't. You are Clarence. Always will be. I warned you. Hits her Didn't on the hurt. Wimp, give me one. Nope. Want to get caught by the witch? We got to put him back. Rebecca grabs him out of his hands. Grandma enters through the front door. Dinner will be on in 10 minutes. Sees him with the chocolates. Lord, Lord, those are your grandfather's chocolates. They are for the adults. Grabs the box of chocolates from Rebecca with one hand and Rebecca's arm with the other. You little thief. You stole your grandpa's chocolates. Come with me, you two. Gerald, Rebecca is causing more trouble. Gerald enters through the front door. My mother, what's wrong now? She is a little thief, Gerald. A little thief. Look at this. She stole your grandpa's chocolates. Is this true, Rebecca? Yes. No, it was me. She didn't do it. It was me. Grandpa and Rachel enter from the front door. Daryl, what's going on? Rebecca stole your chocolates. What? I call her red-handed. She is a little thief. These are for the adults. Why do you think they were in the sideboard? Rebecca, come here, honey. Rebecca moves to her mother, who pulls her close. How can you call your own granddaughter a thief? She is your family. She stole them. Gerald, what are you gonna do about it? No, she didn't. I did it. It was me. Shush, Clay. I know you're just protecting her. Rebecca, apologize to your grandma. Gerald, stop. She is a child. Stay out of this, Rachel. Rebecca, you apologize this instant. But, Daddy... No buts, young lady. Apologize. Or I will take the allowance that you've been saving to buy that baton. In fact, I, I think I will give that to your grandma to pay for the chocolates. Reaching into his pocket. Mother, here you go. Nine dollars, right? Rebecca? Gerald, stop. A baton? She has been saving her allowance for six weeks to buy a baton. Gerald, this is too much. Daddy, please. I am sorry. Please, Daddy. No. Here, Mother, take it. Well, to teach her a lesson. Thank you, Gerald. Uncle Gerald. No, Daddy, I, I'm sorry, Grandma. Grandma, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Yes, that is what you always say, and yet you always do these things. 
When will you ever learn? We are leaving. You have gone too far this time, Gerald. Why do you have to pick on her so? This is excessive. Rebecca, come on, my love. Rachel exits the front door with young Rebecca. Gerald exits after her. Rachel, I don't... Don't be ridiculous. Gerald! Grandma exits, followed by Grandpa and young Clay. Lights up on present-day Clay and Rebecca sitting on the sofa. O-M-G was Grandma angry. Daddy was angry and Mother was hysterical. Left within the hour. Mom cried all the way back home, popping tranquilizers. My father drove eight hours in complete silence. Sat alone in the back seat, feeling like the shit I was supposed to feel like, watching the muscles twitch on the back of his neck, waiting. <laughs> when we got to the house, he locked me in my room. But then he had his hands full with Mom. Yeah, I remember that. Rarely saw you after that. Mom and I never came back down here. Daddy would come and Mom and I would go to her sister Ruth's in Raleigh. I remember riding the bus for hours while Mother cried and cried. Good times. Did you know after that she put a lock on the kitchen cabinet where she kept the sweets? So we kids couldn't get them without permission. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Well, I'm glad you all kept coming to Charlotte to see us. That Christmas when my family came to visit yours when I was six or something? And that little creek out back of your house was frozen over? Oh, it always did that. It wasn't but about two feet deep. You were too scared to come out on the ice with me. I kept calling you scared cat until you sat down along the bank and cried like a baby. You were so sweet. You felt terrible for making me cry. Came over to me and took my hands. You helped me up, gently coaxing me until I was standing on the ice with you and didn't even know it. You held me up. I always felt safe when you were around. Next year, you were running across that ice, fearless, spinning, <laughs> acting like it was like the fucking ice capades. I were completely fearless. Now, smarty pants, you are just about the strongest, boldest woman I have ever met. Don't tell me you walk around afraid like the rest of us. You are like this beautiful Roman goddess. Oh, hush. I'm nothing of this sort. I am as human, as much flesh and blood as you are. What year was that? 65? 66, had to be. Do you know what I want? Coffee. Did you use a cup? I really should be going, but thank you. Just one cup of coffee. Then I'll let you return to the Loving embrace of your adoring family. Now, don't make fun of my wife and girls. Like, I know we sound perfect, but we fuss and fight just like our neighbors. We just don't go to sleep angry is all. Oh, that's your secret. Mm -hmm. I'm just jealous. All right. Since you've been after me all night, if you stay, I'll tell you what I'm really doing here. Get that coffee pot on. You mean percolator, right? These people are stuck in the 40s. Although I heard they are making a comeback. The percolators, I mean. Oh. Rebecca exits to the kitchen. While Rebecca looks for the percolator in the kitchen, Clay moves around the living room, touching things with tender remembrances. He stops at a picture on the end table. It's a photograph of his mother and Rebecca's father when they were teenagers. He picks it up and admires it. From the kitchen. Come in here and keep me company, redneck. Quiet, stupid. Crossing the kitchen door, pushing it open. 
Look, do you want to wake them? God, this place never changes, you know. That damn decoupage. They must have sent me one of them things for every birthday until I was 20 years old. So let's hear it. Talk, smarter pants. I used to hate it when you called me that. Look at this. Grandma still keeps her coffee in the tea canister. Funny how you can remember things, little things like that. You like your coffee strong? Spiro sticks is so strong, I can't drink it. Looks like motor oil. How's Europeans? I'm not particular. Well, come on, tell me. Why did you come all the way to Mount Gilead? Rebecca, spill it. Out with it. Why are you here? I always told you I would do it successfully one day. Well, I finally did. Ran away from home. Seriously now? Serious as a pregnancy. Packed my duffel and took a cab to Kennedy. I almost forgot how to use this ancient percolator. So you, you took a cab to Kennedy and... And up here at the Charlotte airport. From there I hitched a ride. You, you hitchhiked from Charlotte? Are you kidding me? Rebecca finds two coffee cups and puts them on the kitchen table. I hitchhiked across Europe and I don't speak anything but English. Well, so why here? And, and don't give me that shit again about seeing the old folks before they pass. They take their coffee into the dining room. Well, I came here because I thought my husband would have a hard time finding me. He's never met them, you know. God, I hardly even talk about this side of the family. Oh, present company excluded, of course. I don't know if I want you talking about me to your husband. Nothing negative, of course. Awkward silence. Why didn't you go to one of those cities you, you lived in, like Chicago, Los Angeles? As you said, already been. Did he abuse you or something? Don't be so dramatic, redneck. He's merely a caveman. I just needed to sort some things out. Didn't need any Stella scenes to deal with. What? You know, Marlon Brando and a streetcar named Desire. Classic Tennessee Williams play. Blanche Dubois, I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. She sees the reference means nothing to him. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this isn't an act. You really are a pathetic redneck. Uh, uh, I, I smack you, smarty pants. Well, try it. They tease and tickle each other. Uh, hush, quiet. It's never very good at whispering. I remember when we were kids, you were the one. They were always heard talking when we were supposed to go to sleep. What was it your daddy always said? I didn't dare you fall, Rebecca. <laughs> so why was he a caveman? And I'm not really sure what you mean about that anyway. Want to play cards? Remember when you taught me how to do that second shuffle? What? Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was hilarious. Took you the whole damn visit to get it right. Can you still do it? Rebecca crosses to the sideboard and begins rifling through the drawers. Yes, of course. And by a deck of cards, I plan to demonstrate. God, they have some shit in here. And about a thousand pictures of my father. Look at this. My dad's high school baseball team. God, I must have been just 18 when this was taken. It looks so bright and sweet. It looks so different. She returns the photograph to the drawer and crosses to the sofa. Sorry. No cards. Well, 
I guess we'll just have to talk to each other. How's your job? You still with the- um, National Geographic? Yes, on an assignment basis. Anything lined up? I'm another shoot in Africa in three months. Until then, I'm freelancing. It's so hard to get the kind of work I enjoy. Yeah? No flower shows or chairman of the board for me. I have a great portfolio. Very few places are taking on new photographers. Well, new women photographers, anyway. It's such a sexist field. How so? I had no idea when I started this. I naively thought, I am good. I will get work, right? But it's the men who get the choice assignments. Fucking old boy network. I don't know why they ever gave us the vote. Coffee, what are you taking yours? Black, take it like a man. Yeah, really? Sorry, I, I didn't mean to say anything. Forget it. I'm just fucking with you. Just be a minute. Rebecca exits the kitchen, gets a tray and the coffee cups and coffee. Clay sits for a moment, checks his watch, impatient to leave. Rebecca re-enters with the tray. Here we are. Let's have this over on the sofa. Be more comfortable. Clay crosses to the sofa and sits with Rebecca. You've been to Africa how many times? Uh, I used to live in Cairo, then Morocco. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Well, thank you. Where else have you been? Uh, I must be exciting traveling all over the world like that. I stay pretty close to home. Out back in Australia, snuck in East Germany. Oh, would have loved to have been in Berlin when the wall came down. Just missed it. I even got into the Soviet Union when it was still the Soviet Union. <laughs> Last Christmas, when they dissolved that sucker, some of my Russian and Ukrainian friends got together and had the biggest, best drunk of our lives. Nostrovia, good riddance. And they pay you for just taking pictures? I suppose I could work as an undercover spy. I know it doesn't sound interesting, but yes, just taking pictures. There can be big money in it. Uh, what in particular? Oh, lots of different things. Political stuff, human interest stories, but animals mostly. Wild animals, endangered species, and rare birds. Those are my bread and butter, what I'm known for. Most beautiful creatures. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen was a cheetah running across the short grasses of the Serengeti. Body of pure speed, active, unabashed freedom. Muscles of its shoulders and legs danced over the burned grasses. It's erotic and hypnotized me. Could get one picture off. I'm so jealous. Wanted to be that cat. Nature's systematic elimination of life fascinates me. Call it the survival of the fittest. The strong devour the weaker, older, or slower brother, and God says it is good. Sometimes I just don't get it. Well, did you bring any of those pictures with you? A, uh, what did you call it? Portfolio. No, I left that at the apartment. Well, how about your camera? Of course. I'll take a step without that. Want to see it? No, that, that, that's okay. I, I don't think so. I, I've really got to get going. Don't be curious, George. I'll just run to the bedroom and get it. Won't take a second. Rebecca exits. Clay is suddenly uncomfortable, agitated. Checks his watch again. Rebecca enters after a moment and crosses to the sofa. She's carrying a large camera in one hand, 
and a zoom lens in the other. How many lenses do you have all together? Five. I've got wide angle, ultra wide angle, fisheye, zoom, and telephoto. It's a beauty, right? Just came out last year. What is it? The Nikon F90 N90. This is the 200 millimeter F3.5 AF Nikkor lens. This takes no more than 1.7 seconds to move from the closest focusing distance to infinity any point in between. Oh, that's very impressive. I'll try it. She hands in the camera before he can answer. I must still really like you because I don't let anybody touch this. Here now, just be careful. What am I supposed to do? How do you focus this thing? Here. He's looking um, at Rebecca through the lens. Not me. Rebecca rises and stands behind the sofa, reaching over and around Clay, who's facing the audience. She turns the focus ring. Tell me when things clear. Focus. Now. Now, shit, that is great. I can see all the lint on that plant. Rebecca returns to sit on the sofa as Clay looks around the room with the camera and then tries to hand the camera back to Rebecca. Try the zoom. Better look out through the window. Clay turns sideways, now facing the window. This causes him to lean against Rebecca. In this position, Rebecca puts her arms around him to operate the focus, moving it in and out. How's that? Is it working? It, it, it's working, and... Um... They stay like that for a couple moments in an embrace, resting against each other. And I'm thinking we better just stop right there. Rebecca moves her arm slower around him, and he responds by putting down the camera and returning the embrace. A long pause, and then Clay stands up quickly and moves away. Then Clay puts the camera on the table and stands. Look, look, I, it's getting late. The time I had it out, lots of years, things change. It's been great seeing you, Rebecca. Clay, he moves to leave. I'm sorry. I didn't intend for that to... Shit. He crosses to her, takes her hands, pulls her up to stand. You know something? You turned out just as terrific as I thought you would. So did you. They move away from each other nervously. Let me know how long you'll be in town. I'd love for you to meet my wife and girls. Yeah. Sure. Love that. That would be great. I'll let you know. See you, Smarty Pants. See you, Redneck. Clay exits. Rebecca sits down again. She's quiet for a moment. Then she picks up the camera and holds it to her. After a moment, she begins taking pictures. Slowly at first, one click of the camera, advance the frame. Then another, and another, faster and faster. She moves around the room. After a time, she stops, looking at one of the decoupage pieces on the wall. Song of Solomon. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats on down from Mount Gilead. Again, she holds the camera to her chest for a moment. Rebecca then crosses upstage through the archway and exits. A moment of total silence passes, and then we see Grandpa Tilson poke his head from around the archway center stage. He walks to the coffee cups, picks them up. The drawer to the sideboard is slightly open, and he crosses to it, closing it. Then he moves to the kitchen door, surveys the room for other signs of life, and then enters the kitchen as the lights fade to black. End of scene. Scene four. Lights up. Rachel, dressed in her nightgown, sits at the table, now with the tablecloth over it. On the table is a bottle of scotch and a soda mixer with a cigarette burning in the ashtray. For a few moments, Rachel stares into space. She finishes the cigarette, 
then finishes the drink before she begins to prepare another. As she's pouring, she spills half the scotch on herself, the front of her nightgown now wet and sticking to her. She rises, takes the tablecloth off the table, and uses the tablecloth to rub the fabric of her gown, trying to dry the surface. Now she throws the tablecloth down, begins to cry quietly at first, but then the floodgates open, and she cries deeply. The crying continues for a few moments until she finds some composure and reaches for the bottles again. This time, she fills the glass and stands drinking and the lights fade to black. End of scene. Scene five. It's 4 p.m. the next day. Grandma Tilson stands by the window, looking for the car she's expecting to arrive, cooling herself with a palm-shaped fan. Grandpa Tilson is reading a gardening book seated on the sofa. Keep wondering if we should wake her. It's not natural for a person to sleep this late in the day. She'll be up all night. Makes me wonder where she was last night. What she did, who with, and are you sure you don't know, Mr. Tilson? Nope. One minute she goes to her room to freshen up and the next minute she is nowhere to be found. She must have been difficult as a teenager. I don't know how Gerald did it. Bless his heart. He's a saint. Did you hear her come in? It sounded to me like she had a man with her. I was afraid to get up. Thought he might be one of those Hell's Angels motorcycle men or something. I was asleep. Well, you sleep lighter than I do. When the children were young and they coughed in the night, you were up before I could throw the covers off. I am supposed to believe you did not hear a thing last night. It sounded to me like they were having a wild party. I was asleep. You were asleep. Most nights you have to go to the bathroom six or seven times with your prostrate. You were telling me you never once got up during the hour she was convorting with a demon worshiper in our living room? I was asleep. Oh, I sleep, I know. Will you stop saying that? Well, I was. I wonder what is keeping Gerald. He said that he would be here sometime between three o'clock and four o'clock. It is after four o'clock now. You would think if he was going to be late, he would call. Uh, I worry so when he is on the road. Grandma crosses upstage to the archway and listens for movement from Rebecca's room. Do you think that man is still in there with her? No. That I knew it. I caught you, Mr. Tilson. You did hear her last night. I'm going to watch the golf tournament. Started at four. Now go on then. Grandpa rises and brushes past her, entering his sitting room. Call me when Gerald comes. Grandpa closes the door a little too hard and turns on the television. Dear God, please let Gerald arrive safely and soon. I cannot go through another sleepless night. My nerves will never take it. Let Gerald come, take her with him, and let everything go back the way it was. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I'll just make some coffee. Gerald would like that. Are you the grandma of Rebecca? What do you want? We are a couple of old people on social security. We have no money. Mr. Tilson, why are you carrying a pillow? Belongs with Rebecca's. She had it for years. Told me she slipped without it no good. I thought, what the hell? Where the fuck she is anyway? You are Rebecca's husband? No shit I am. Crosses to Archway calling. Could you come out here for a minute? She in the bathroom taking a leak? She is still in bed. 
As far as I know. Exactly. Rebecca, glue your ass out here. You're awesome. Get out of here, Rebecca. From off stage. God damn fucking hell. Also calling off stage. Mr. Tilson, Mr. Tilson, turn that television off and get in here this instant. No one moves for a moment. Then Rebecca enters upstage left, dressed in a silky camisole and panties with a matching hip-length robe. At the same time, Grandpa Tilson opens up the door from his sitting room and crosses downstage just inside the doorway. Grandpa and Rebecca stand together for a moment. We will wait for you to put some acceptable clothes on. That is indecent, young lady. You look effing gorgeous when you just wake up, Rebecca. When you just wake up? What in the name of God are you doing here, Spiros? How did you find me? You will not use the name of the Lord in vain in my house, young lady. That I absolutely will not tolerate. He gave me such a fright. Out of here, Spiros. You are not welcome. Believe me. What the fuck happened to you? Spiros, wait a minute. Turns to her grandparents. Grandma, Grandpa, could you two leave Spiros and I alone for a few minutes? We need to talk. Privately. I drove all night. I just want to ask you, what the fuck happened to you? Spiros, could you just wait a second, okay? Grandma, don't mind his language. He's harmless. The first words he learned when he came here were the vulgar ones. Would you mind too terribly going into your bedrooms or for a walk or something so Spiros and I can talk alone? Let's go in the kitchen. Please, just go into your bedrooms. I am asking as nicely as I can. I would... Really appreciate it if you could leave us alone to talk. Come along, Mr. Tilson. Grandma leading, Grandpa out. They exit through the archway, stage right. I suggest you put some more clothes on before you have your little talk. How do you say the blind leading the blind? God, it stings in here. Remind me of some cattle in- I have to hand it to you. I never thought you would find me. Maybe I should reevaluate. Your father, he called me last night, said you show up in North Carolina at his parents' house, said you were creating disturbance, said I should come, get you, take you back to New York, but I'm not. About what? Taking you back. When a woman leaves me, she is gone. You drove all night to tell me that you don't want me back. No. I tried to bring you something you forget. Throwing the pillow with force. The pillow hits Rebecca hard and slides to the floor. She makes no move to pick it up. Thank you. I remember how you can sleep without it no good, so I bring it to you. You remembered how I cannot sleep good without it, so you brought it to me. It's really thoughtful. Well, I go. Long drive back to New York City. You're completely out of your mind. Oh, yeah, I forget. I just want to ask you, what the fuck happened to you? What do you mean? Why you leave? Long pause, choosing her words carefully. I thought I wanted to be with you, but I was wrong. How do you mean exact? Exactly, Spiros, exactly. How do you mean exactly? I don't know how I means exactly. I guess I means I, I thought I wanted to be taken care of. I was tired of being alone and tired of the effort to be ever vigilant, having to rely on myself for solace, entertainment, and pleasure. I thought I finally wanted to be the perfect little wife. 
packing your lunch for you every day before you trotted off to work and having dinner on the table ready for you when you got home and having great, no-holds-barred, raw sex with you every night. It's great. But the truth was, in the end, I missed my privacy, my freedom. Missed going to a movie and being able to listen quietly instead of explaining the plot to you. I missed having dinners with my friends or being allowed to work in the dark room till 3 a.m. if I have a deadline without you calling every 20 minutes, telling me to come home. One time I did that. And I missed being able to read a book without someone trying to talk to me. I would love to brush my teeth in the morning without being goosed. I want to eat a pizza without the onions you love so much ruining the taste of the cheese. Or a fucking pizza. Blame whatever. I never hit you. You want a prize? What is that? I never hit you. I didn't know it was such a chore to keep from slapping my face. But what control you have? How benevolent you are. This will kill my mother. I'm sorry. I really liked her. You just left. Left all your... How do you say? Belongings. Belongings. Funny word. Did not take your passport. May I have it, please? What? Oh, I did not bring with me. You drove all night to throw my pillow at me, but left my passport in New York? Yeah, <laughs> I real shit. Go, please, 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 just go. Sounds like you just did not want to be married. Yes, I'm sure that's right. This is the shits. This is the real shits, you know? Even though I will take no, take no take you back, I love to climb on top of you. Moves towards her. So crying shame, that's the only position you ever mastered. What? I don't understand. Nothing. No, I must learn. How do you say? Honestly, Spiros, I was just being a bitch. Forget it. Please, just go back to New York, sweetheart. Find yourself a beautiful Greek girl without a career or a life of her own. Someone who will happily make you her whole existence and give you ten stunning children just like you. Front door opens and Gerald Tilson enters. He's dressed casually but looks very tired. His face muscles f- form a continual frown. Jesus fucking Christ. Hello, Mr. Tilson. I win. I get here first. God damn it, Spiros. You didn't say he was coming here. Rebecca, what have you done? There's a long, tension-filled silence. Rebecca is obviously trying to control her rage. The lights fade to black. End of scene. Intermission. Thank you for joining us for episode one of the Quarantine Players podcast. We will be posting episode two shortly with the second half of this production. Till we see you again, we'll leave the ghost light on for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information about Quarantine Players, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash quarantine players. As Shakespeare said in Julius Caesar, if we do meet again... Why, we shall smile. If not, why then, this party was well made.